Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, May 7th, 2018, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio, or should I say the Beantown USA Studio. I still don't know if the name change is official to this store, but like I told you last week, they will be changing the name from Beantown Athletics to Beantown USA, but nothing with my show changes. My studio will still be here. The content on my show will still be the same. So nothing with me changes. It's just the name of the store that my studio is located in will be changing from Beantown Athletics to Beantown USA. Whatever the name is right now, I can tell you it is Boston's go-to destination for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownathletics.com or beantownusa.com. I think they're both live right now. Either one works for you. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. And speaking of my promo code, I just released new merchandise. And one of the pieces of merchandise that I released is a t-shirt that says promo code PIC. So go buy that. I tell you every day, promo code PICK. It's going to get you a discount on something. Well, you can go right now to tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard. And check out some of my new merchandise. And Mother's Day is this coming Sunday. And I just released a new Picard Club Mother's Day t-shirt. I basically just added a new color. The Picard Club t-shirts, which is kind of a ripoff of Bullet Club, I just sell them in black. But for Mother's Day, up until Mother's Day, and maybe even a little after Mother's Day, I'll give you the post-Mother's Day special. I'll keep the pink version up there. But make sure you check it out, tpublic.com slash stores slash Danny Picard. Buy some merchandise, support this show, and I got a new shirt that says promo code PICK up there and promo code pick is how you can play for free with your first deposit at draftkings.com or on the DraftKings app and now is your chance to take advantage of the simplicity of daily fantasy baseball at DraftKings. Why would you commit to an entire 162 game season when you can draft a new lineup every single night? Again, sign up right now and play for free with your first deposit. Promo code pick P I C at DraftKings. And with baseball season in full swing, that means so is golf season. And this summer, you can swing for less with Golf Ball Monkey. Go to GolfBallMonkey.com right now to get the best deal that you're going to find on golf balls anywhere on the internet. I can promise you that. And again, use promo code PIC, P-I-C, to get 5% off any order and get free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. So go load up on golf balls Right now, they have Titleist, Callaway, Nike, Pinnacle, Bridgestone, TaylorMade, and more. Golf Ball Monkey sells premium, slightly used golf balls at a discounted rate. And I know what you're thinking. Used golf balls? Really, Danny? That's what you're going to try to sell us? Used golf balls? Well, think about this. How many times have you opened a brand new box of balls, an expensive brand new box of balls, taken one out, put it on a tee, hit it once, and lost it? A lot, right? Then what do you do? You take another new ball and you hit that one. You might even lose that one. But in the meantime, you're thinking, what happened to the first ball that you lost? I'll tell you what happened to it. Golf Ball Monkey found it, and it's still good as new because you only hit it once. At Golf Ball Monkey, they harvest, buy, and sell premium used golf balls to wholesalers, retailers, and people like me and you. A dozen balls anywhere out there will typically cost you around, what, 50 to 60 bucks At Golf Ball Monkey, you can get a dozen premium balls for under $20. So, again, go to GolfBallMonkey.com and use promo code PIC. That's GolfBallMonkey.com and swing for less this summer at Golf Ball Monkey. Welcome to the show on this Monday, May 7th. Uh, Tough night here in Boston last night on yesterday on Sunday. Tough day, tough night. The Boston Bruins season has ended. 
Uh, I am going to open with that. Then I will get to my thoughts on the Celtics, who are currently up 3-0 on the 76s in their second-round playoff series. At least as I record this, the Celtics are up 3-0, heading into tonight's game, Monday night's game four in Philly, which is an early tip-off at 6 o'clock. Pretty stupid if you ask me, a 6 o'clock tip-off, but that's what they're going to do. I'll get to that. And then I will close out the show with my thoughts on WWE Backlash, the pay-per-view that was last night on Sunday night, the mixed-branded pay-per-view. That's what they're going to do now, which makes sense. They're going to do the Raw and the SmackDown brands combined in the same pay-per-view. That makes so much more sense than doing the single-branded pay-per-views. But I'll close out my show with some thoughts on WWE Backlash that I did watch last night on Sunday night. But let's open with... The biggest story in this town today, in Boston today, which is the Bruins season has ended. They lose to the Tampa Bay Lightning on Sunday in Tampa Bay. That was game five. The score was three to one. And so the Bruins, after winning game one of this series, and not just winning, they whooped Tampa Bay in Tampa Bay in game one. Whooped them last weekend. And you're watching that game one, you're thinking, uh, Bruins, you know, Tuca made some nice saves. You know, the refs actually took away a goal from the Bruins. They might have taken away two goals away from the Bruins in that game, uh, in that game one. But the Bruins, they were so good in that game one. If you had told me that Tampa Bay was going to rattle off four straight wins after that and end this series in five, I would have told you, you have, you just, you don't know what you're watching. You don't know what you're watching. Well, I would have been wrong telling you that because that's exactly what Tampa Bay did. Tampa Bay lost game one in their own building, and then they go on to win four straight. They win this series in five games, and now they will sit back and wait to see whether it will be Washington or Pittsburgh. Right now, the Capitals are up 3-2 on Pittsburgh as I'm recording this, and uh, I don't know the way the Capitals are playing. And this could be the year that I I keep telling you about Ovechkin. One of these years, he's going to have a run. That's just the way this thing works. He's so good. He's so talented. He's a goal scorer. Uh, he's a difference maker. He is so good that when their goalie, that didn't even, you know, hope he didn't even start the playoffs for them. It, when, when he is playing the way everybody knows he's capable of playing and Ovechkin is Ovechkin, then the Capitals, one of these years, I told you, they are going to have a run. And this could be the year. This is looking like it could be the year. But that's still a series of Pittsburgh, so I'm not going to rule the reigning, defending, back-to-back champions out. But uh, Tampa Bay will play the winner of that series, so Tampa Bay will play either Washington or Pittsburgh. But looking back at this series with the Bruins, you know, let's just look at Game 5 real quick. That was Sunday. The Bruins took a 1-0 lead into the first intermission. And when you get the first, like, that that was a huge key for this. The Bruins needed to get the first goal of this game. They had to get the first goal of this game. You know, on the road, you're trying to just get it back to your own building for a game six. Uh, the, you obviously, the breaks, you weren't getting the breaks. They weren't going your way. The refs were not, <laughs> the refs certainly were not helping the Bruins out at all in this series. And um, you're just trying to get a game six back at home and, and see if you could put yourself in position to go back to Tampa Bay in a game seven where anything could happen in a game seven, Right. But you had to get the first goal in Game 5 on Sunday, and that's what the Bruins did. They got the first goal. But then you come out in the second period, and I thought Tampa Bay's first goal in in this game, in Game 5, was just horrible. I, 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 I know we could talk about defensive issues that the Bruins have and had, and I'll get to those. Tuka Rask, and I'm a Tuka supporter. I defend the guy a lot. A lot I defend Tuka Rask. Arguably, you know, there's a lot of people right now that are out there defending Tuka, and they're yelling and screaming on Twitter about it, and fine. But just know that I was defending Tuka Rask. I've been defending him for a long time, a lot longer than some other people. And I've continued to do it, even through these playoffs. But that first Tampa Bay goal in Game 5 on Sunday, yesterday, he's got to save that. He's going to his right. He gets the pad out. He's so far out of the net. And it almost what did, did it go under his arm or his leg after? I mean, that was a that's a bad goal. You gotta stop that. You have to stop that. And unfortunately, 
there are a handful of goals in this series that even somebody like myself, who is a Tuka Ras supporter, I'm going, ah, you know, that's one you got to come up with. It's not, no one said it would be an easy save. No one said it would be an easy save. But if you, if you want to, if you want to take that next step and you do want to quote unquote, steal your team a game, that's a save that you got to make. That's a save that you got to make. Again, nobody's calling it an easy save. I don't, I don't know that I'm calling him a pathetic goaltender because he doesn't make some, he didn't make some of these because certainly Tuka made some big saves in this series. I mean, you saw it late in this game in game five. Tuka no doubt had his moments in this series where he was standing on his head and, you know, he was making a lot of the critics look stupid. But at the same time, there were moments in this series, multiple moments in this series where he made the critics look pretty good. Uh, you know, pucks that you just got to have. Again, no one's saying the easy stops, but you got to have them if you want to take that next that, that step to the next level. If you want to take the team on your back and give it the old quote-unquote steal them a game. So uh, I'm a Tukaraz supporter, but there, I'm telling you right now, there were Bruins players in that room that are looking back at the series going, man, I know we play bad defensively. I know our top two goal scorers did not, you know, our top two goal scorers, scorers didn't didn't show up in the series um, from a goal scoring standpoint. But man, there are a couple pucks there that our goalie needs to have, even in spots that are not ideal for our team and for the goalie. Right? You know, the saves that a guy would make that you see on the championship DVDs. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Your team wins a cup. You get the championship DVD. You get that big book that they make that has all the pretty pictures. Um, You know, it's nice and shiny and it smells fresh and it's new. You know, the big championship book to go along with the DVD. You get the hats, the t-shirts. The images that last from those type of seasons, more often than not, the... The most memorable images are the saves that are made that are in moments that are not ideal for your team from a defensive standpoint, from a goaltending standpoint, but he makes the save. It's like, oh, what a stop. You know, I'm not running Tuka Rask out of town today. I'm not. I'm not going there. There will be some people that are, you know the people who will do that. You know the people who will do that. Whether they even believe it or not, whether they even want that or not, they know they're going to fire some people up when they say it. There are people today who are going to try to run Tuka Rask out of town. I am not one of those people. I have supported this guy and defended this guy, and I think he is a damn good goaltender, and I do not think he was the biggest issue for the Bruins. He wasn't. He wasn't. I'll get to what the biggest issue was in a second. But Tuka Rask, you know, you can defend him. You can support him like myself. You cannot run him out of town or choose to not run him out of town, and I'm not going to run him out. So you can you can have a stance on Tuca like I have, which is I'm a Tuca Rask fan, and I want him to be the Bruins goaltender. And you can still sit here today as the Bruins lose this second round series in five games to the Lightning. You can still sit here and say, you know what? There are some pucks he should have had. There are some stops he should have made. And it's those type of stops that he didn't make that, you know, uh, uh, stops that I'm sure there were players in that Bruins room Looking back at the series saying, he's got to have that. He's got to have that to give us a shot. He's got to have that to bail us out a couple times. Your goalie has to bail you out a couple times. That's the way this works. You know, sometimes he did, but sometimes he didn't. And when you do have the other issues, your top two goal scorers not showing up in the series, uh, your defense being absolutely atrocious from a standpoint where you're just letting guys fly by you and you're flat-footed at the offensive blue line, and the transition game, turnover city, in the worst spots, at the half wall, behind the goal line, sometimes in front of your fucking net. Uh, you know, when you got all these other issues and the refs, just a horrible series for the for NFL officials, you got all these things going against you, your goalie's got to bail you out a couple times. A couple times more than he did. And I know that there are Bruins players in that room that are thinking that today. I know there are. 
But that doesn't mean they don't want him to be their goaltender. That doesn't mean they don't have confidence in him anymore. That doesn't mean someone like myself is trying to run him out of town. But facts are facts. There are some pucks that Tuca needed to stop, and he didn't. And um, I'm just telling you, it would have helped if he did. And if he did, we might not be sitting here today talking about the end of a season. We might be sitting here today talking about a game six back here in Boston at the TD Garden. We are not doing that. The Bruins lose game five in Tampa Bay on Sunday. They lose this series in five games. Tuca, I think he could have been better in this series. There's no doubt about it. The refs were horrible. There's no question about that. Uh, A pathetic display from NFL officiating. They made some calls that, you know, even in the regular season, I think we would sit there and go, oh, come on, this is hockey. This is a physical sport. You don't need to blow the whistle right now. Okay? Like, this is not the NBA where any little piece of contact. You need to blow that thing and penalize someone. This is the NHL. And more importantly, this time of year, this is the Stanley Cup playoffs. Come on now. The refs were brutal. Brutal. And, um... You know, still, I I think I'm going to look back at these playoffs, and the the most frustrating part about these refs was the amount of times they kicked one of the best face-off men in the league out of the face-offs. Like, I cannot comprehend. Like, I, I just think there needs to be an investigation. Forget about the penalties. The penalties were bad, obviously. I mean, I mean it wasn't consistent. Uh... There were times where I wish they would have just let him play. I mean, you go back to that. What was it? Game 7, the 2011, the year the Bruins won the Cup against Tampa Bay in the East Finals. Game 7 at the Garden. Well, there no penalties called in that game, right? Zero penalties? The fact that anywhere in the history books you have a playoff game in the Stanley Cup playoffs, a Game 7, as intense as a Game 7 could be, the fact that anywhere in the history books you have a playoff game with his, you know, under two penalties, I think there were no penalties in that game, right? We'll say under two. There were no more than two. And just anywhere, the fact that there's anywhere in the history book that there's a playoff game where there's less than two, two penalties or less, you know, that should tell you a lot about what you should and shouldn't call in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It should. Should tell you a lot. But I mean, you know, it's penalties aside, the thing that pisses me off the most is the amount of times that Bergeron was thrown out of the faceoffs. Like they need to look into that. And I know they 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 really took a took a hard stand on these faceoffs this year. Like the way they were, you know, they they were gonna kick guys out. We saw it from the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, we started in preseason the way they were doing it. And it was like, oh, this is painful to watch. I mean, how can you just drop the puck? All anybody wants to do out there is play. You can't play without the puck. The ref could pump fake every single faceoff and would be able to kick somebody out of every faceoff if he really wanted to. But you're making it about yourself at that point. Like, the faceoff thing drives me nuts. It drives me even crazier when you're doing it in the playoffs. But it... Even crazier than that is that one of the best face-off guys in the league, you continually, repeatedly kicked him out of the draw in big spots and big moments. And at times it made the, you know, it, it, it paid, it cost him. So, I mean, that to me was the most frustrating part from the official standpoint, but the refs were horrible, right? They could have been a lot better. But really... Look, the Bruins had issues all over the place. That's that's what it came down to. Now, they had injuries late. Tory Krug with that ankle injury. That looked brutal. That was bad. That was bad. So, you were dealing with stuff. You were dealing with injuries. And um, that that obviously is not going to help you out. But the, the issues that you had before the injuries, they were all over the place. I mentioned defense. Horrible. I mean, the number of times that somebody on the Lightning was just taken off, you know, from their breakout. And McAvoy and Shara were flat-footed. Like, they, you know, like they had never seen a guy try to take off up the far wing before. I, I, I've i never seen anything like it. The amount of times that that happened with Shara and McAvoy are looking at each other going, McAvoy was not good. 
McAvoy was not good. He's young. You know, they threw him into the fire last year in the playoffs against Ottawa. And I think McAvoy could have done anything last year in the playoffs, and we would have been in awe because of the situation he was being thrown into. But now you got a full season under your belt. All right, he had the knee injury late in the year. Is he playing with the knee brace, trying to get accustomed to it? Well, all right, figure it out. Uh, You know, there were turnovers. There was some tough play in the defensive zone. There was some, some tough penalties. I mean, McAvoy, I did not think... I did, you know, I heard some people praising him at some point this series, and I just I'm I'm not there with him right now. He's going to be a very good player, but he had a tough he had a tough series here against Tampa Bay. Uh, Grizzlick, some tough just a tough 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 series. Uh, from a turnover perspective, um, you know, some forwards not getting back covering their guys in their own zone. You know, the Bruins' defense was tough. They had a tough time defensively, and that doesn't help your goal either. But really, I think the thing that frustrates me more than anything, like if we're going to if we're gonna list it, it's like number one, you know, number two, number three, number four. Number one to me, Marshan and Pasternak. I thought Pasternak had a horrible game five. Like, how many times can you... Can you shoot it into somebody's shin guards? You know, there were multiple power plays. I thought Pasternak, he made one good play in this game where he passed it to Bergeron, and Bergeron, he's cutting over the middle late on that late power play, and and he couldn't pull it to his backhand. He went to shoot it. I don't think he could control it. I think it was bouncing. But if he pulled that thing to his backhand, that's a goal. That was a nice pass by Pasternak. But before that, Pasternak was just, I mean, he was making horrible decisions even in the neutral zone, I'm like, what is this kid doing? Did he go out the night before this game? What did he do? Pasternak, one goal in this series. Brad Marchand, one goal in this series. And these two guys, Marchand and Pasternak, they led the team in goals. What do they have, 35 and 34? They led the team in goals in the regular season. They combined for two goals in five games against Tampa Bay in the second round. They weren't good. They weren't good. Marchand had one. Pasenak had one. That's not good enough. That is not good enough. I mean, don't get me started on Rick Nash. See you later, buddy. See you the fuck later. What did he take? A little flutter wrist shot from Donato off his off the padding of his knee, and he was limping off like they had to amputate the leg? Give me a fucking break. This guy is soft. Rick Nash is soft. This kid, see you later, buddy. See you the fuck later. Um, I mean, imagine if you had that size to go along with that shot. There were times in the regular season where he was, his play around the net, I'm going, oh, this is going to be great in the playoffs. Well, guess what? He didn't do that in the playoffs. <laughs> he, he didn't want to play like that around the net in the playoffs. And maybe it's because... When you get into the playoffs, the going gets a little tougher around the net, right? That's that's a that's a tougher area to play in around the net. And he didn't want to, you know, when the going got tough, Rick Nash didn't want to get going, didn't want to keep going. And so for that, see ya. Have fun somewhere else. You know, have fun, have fun golfing in mid-April to late April, moving forward, because um that was tough to watch, Rick Nash. See ya. But it's really, you know, I, the expectations at that point, I, I'm like, I'm really, you know, when the going got tough at his Bruins team offensively, I'm thinking, hey, Marshan, let's go. Pasternak, let's go. And in this series, it's like, let's go. You can talk all you want about the first round. Fine. The first round's the first round. But when you get to the second round, nothing you do in the first round matters anymore. So do it in the second round too. This is what... You need this. Your top two goal goal scorers need to show up and do and 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 they need to put the puck in the net in the second round. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And uh, instead of putting the puck in the net, Brad Marchand's running around licking people, licking people. Think about that. Say that out loud. I don't care what room you are in right now. Say that out loud. Brad Marchand licked. The same number of people as the number of goals he scored in this series. One. 
licked somebody. That's right, licked somebody. Not even kissed, licked. You know, this is such a ridiculous storyline. And and I think, to me, the most ridiculous part of the Brad Marchand licking incident, I will say incident because it's not part of the fucking game, okay, is that there are some people on social media whose hockey, you know, whose hockey thoughts I actually respect in a way. Um, I don't always agree with, but I respect. And it's like, Brad Marchand licks Ryan Callahan right up the face, right up the schnoz. And, uh, he licks him. <laughs> and, and it's like, Bruins fans and people whose hockey opinions I respect are up in arms that the NHL would not like this. They're up in arms that this would be a storyline. Well, look, this is a ridiculous storyline. It's ridiculous that we have to talk about Brad Marchand licking somebody. But ask yourself this question today. Why is it ridiculous? It's, it's not ridiculous because the NHL doesn't want him to do it. It's not ridiculous because the Tampa Bay Lightning are upset that he did it. It's ridiculous because he fucking did it. Okay? If Yanni Gord licked Patrice Bergeron up and down, there would be people in this town wanting the guy kicked out of the league. But yet Brad Marchand does it. Tampa Bay doesn't like it. The NHL doesn't like it. And there are people in this town whose hockey thoughts that I usually respect, again, not agree with all the time, but respect, who are mad at the league and mad at Tampa Bay for wanting to, to address it. Like, what planet am I on where we are going to accept the fact that there's a guy, I don't care whose team he's on, is out there kissing and licking people? Like, what if this was happening in another, what if this was happening in the NBA with another team in another series? These same people would be like, oh, it's such a, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, yo, this guy's got, you know, get him out of here. What? Think about what we're talking about right now. Don't make this about anything other than a National Hockey League playoff game and a guy licking somebody on the ice. Like, don't make this more complicated than that. This isn't about any other issue. This is about a player who is kissing and licking people on the ice. What are we doing here? Right? It's ridiculous that we even have to talk about this because it's a ridiculously stupid thing to do if you're Brad Marchand. <laughs> it's dumb. And and if if there was another player, if Brad Marchand was on the lightning doing this to Patrice Bergeron, the same people, you know, up in arms that the NHL wants to make this an issue and address it, the same people would be begging for the NHL to kick the uh, to kick my shan out of the league. They would. They would. Don't complicate this. This is stupidity. Brad Marchan has a job to put the puck in the net. He scored once in the second round. And he's out there licking people. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Yeah, you know why? It's ridiculous cuz he did it. And you know, it just makes no sense. It makes no sense. You can't do it. You can't do it. I'm sorry. You can't. And if you think you can and you should be able to, then where where do you want to go with where do you want to go with this? Where do you want to like what? How it's so insane that I would even have it's it's insane that I would even have to think about talking somebody in to that being stupid. It's insane. I don't understand. It's a hockey game. Don't lick. Don't bite. Don't spit. This is obvious stuff. I I can guarantee you that there was a conversation with Brad Marchand, the Bruins organization, the Don Sweeney. I don't know Cam Neely, Bruce Cassidy. How about some other players on the team? It's like, hey, dude, listen. All right, we all get a good laugh after the first kiss, and you know. Can we can we 
Can you score some goals? Can you put some pucks in the net? You know, please. Like, we're ta- you know, this is ridiculous. We have to answer questions about this now. I can't imagine being a player on the team having to answer questions about that. Like, how do you answer a question like that? Um, You know, nobody's going to say it, but a lot of other players on the team are probably thinking, well, to be honest, we wish you would stop licking people. We wish you would score some goals because we need those right now. We need goals more than we need licks. Okay? That's what we need. Right? You want to kiss something? Kiss the Stanley Cup. You want to get the cup? Score some fucking goals and stop licking people. And if you think there are no players in that Bruins room thinking that, then you're not living in the real world. You're not. You're not living in the real world. And uh, it's a stupid, stupid topic. It is so stupid. But why is it stupid? Is it stupid because the league addresses it? No. It's stupid because he did it. And if it, 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 again, the same people who are criticizing the league for wanting to address it, criticizing the Lightning for crying about it, are the same people, if it happened, if the shoe was on the other foot, these people would want the guy out of the fucking league. If Brad Marchand was on another team, we would hate him. We would, we would hate him more than any athlete that we have ever hated in the history of sports. It's great that he's on our team. You know, it's great that he's on the Bruins. Okay? Because he's obviously done something with his game in the last four or five years that has transformed him into an all-star caliber player and goal scorer. But I stress goal scorer, right? And, and it's because of the goal scoring that everybody does tolerate now some of the stupid shit that he does. I mean, the, look, that game that he with Callahan, he hit him with a low, low hit at the blue line. That, he went low on him. That's a dirty hit. That's dirty. Don't try to tell me it's not. That's dirty. We put up with it in this town. You know why? He scores goals. But what happens when he's not scoring goals? Should we put up with it? I I mean, it it just makes me think, you know, it makes me think of what the reaction would be if Yanni Gord was out there kissing and licking Bruins. You know, I, I, I can tell you right now, people here in Boston wouldn't be pro Yanni Gord. I can tell you that right fucking now. So uh, it's stupid. But you know why that's not happening with anybody else? Because it's just nobody would even think of doing it. <laughs> okay? Uh, enough. Enough with the, the licking. There's no licking. There's no biting. There's no spitting. There's no kissing. Play hockey. Go play hockey. You want to kiss something? Kiss the Stanley Cup. You want the cup? Put the puck in the fucking net. And Brad Marchand, at the end of the day, who's one of the team's best goal scorers, didn't do that in the second round. He didn't. And uh, the whole licking thing became a distraction. I, for people who didn't want the league to address that, well, I, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know why I have to live in a world where I have to convince people that a a, a player in any sport out there Licking somebody is... I have to convince people that that's stupid. You know. But I think that's... Actually, it's just social media. I mean, it, it, it really is social media. Right? You, you, can, you can lick them. It's fine. It's not an issue. It's stupid. Go play the game. But... The Bruins will not be playing any more games this year. And the season is over. And number one on my list, things that I would have liked to see in this series, Marshan and Pasternak scoring. That's what I would have liked to see. They only had one goal each in the series. And um, on top of it, you know, you had the other, the other bullshit, and I'm calling it bullshit because that's what it was. That's, there's a reason why there's a lot of people around the league being like, dude, what? You, you, can't, you can't do that. Go play the game. There's a reason why there's a lot of people saying that. Because it's, it's, it, it's not normal in the game to happen. Can't do it. It's not, and you know what? It's not like they, they didn't even penalize him for it, did they? For that? They gave him the warning a couple times. Just fucking play the game. Go score some goals. Then you can kiss the cup. 
Bruins will not be doing that this year. Um, and uh, now in this town, we got the Celtics. Celtics are up 3-0 on the 76s. As I record this podcast, you might be listening to this on Tuesday, and maybe game four is over. Maybe the Celtics swept the 76s. Maybe Philly forced the game five back at the TD Garden in Boston. If there is a game five, that game five will be Wednesday night here in Boston at the TD Garden. Now, the Celtics, a six-and-a-half-point dog in game four on this Monday night. Again, an early start, six o'clock tip-off, which I don't like. But I'll be watching a six and a half point dog. I told you the Celtics were a nine, what, nine, nine and a half point dog in game three. I said, this is it. You have to take the Celtics. They could lose the game by seven and still cover. And and I had never seen a spread that high for a team that was up 2-0. Just because they're going on the road to be close to a double digit dog was insane to me. I told you to take the Celtics plus nine, plus nine and a half. And they won Game 3 in overtime. Al Horford was a beast at the end of OT in Game 3. What's that going to be known for? The confetti game? The confetti game? That's what it's going to be known for? <laughs> They're spraying confetti after Bellinelli hits the deep two, baseline two. Now, I think they sprayed the confetti because they thought it was a three and they thought, it, they thought the game was over. Well, no. His foot was on the line. It was only a two. Sends it to OT, and then the Celtics win in overtime. But um, So that's why they have the 3-0 lead right now. But I'm a little surprised that it is 3-0. I'm not surprised that the Celtics are up in the series. You know, I, I told you that when Philly was playing Miami in the first round and everybody was praising the 76s, I said, well, it feels like they're praising the 76s because they want the 76s to... They want the process to have been trusted and then to work like they want the 76s to go on and 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 get to the NBA finals I think a lot of that has to do with people not wanting LeBron to be in the NBA finals because people just don't like LeBron and that's why people give up on him not because they use their brain they use their heart and in their heart they don't like LeBron so when they're hot they see LeBron struggle a little bit in the playoffs and they rule him out they count him out if they used their brain, they would know not to count out LeBron James. And that's why it looks like right now, LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, they are going to move on to the East Finals. They're going to beat the Toronto Raptors. They're up 3-0 on Toronto. LeBron hits that buzzer beater. He takes it the full length of the court. Fade away. What, are we calling that a baseline off the glass buzzer beater? Is there anybody else in the league that would hit that shot? I mean, and, and the, the crazy part about it is before they even inbounded the ball, LeBron knew exactly what he was doing. You can try to cry about the Toronto Raptors defense on that play all you want, but LeBron knew what he was going to do, and there was not one person on that court that was going to stop him. I'm sorry, there wasn't. So uh, LeBron gets it done. They're up 3-0 in Toronto. It looks like Cleveland's going to get to the East Finals. And they will play the winner of the Celtics 76s. And it looks like right now with the Celtics up 3-0, the Celtics are going to get there. Whether it's a clean sweep, whether it's winning game five, I don't know. I, I don't think 76s are going to come back and win four straight. I just don't think that at this point. So it, it looks like it's going to be the Celtics and the Cavs in the East Finals. And I, I kind of said this on... I kind of said this on the last podcast, and I think as long as the Celtics continue to win, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue to to keep reiterating this stance, which is that, you know, for everybody that is out there saying the Celtics don't have a shot to win the NBA championship, and I'm I'm not necessarily arguing that. Like for instance, I'm not going to. If you ask me to put my money on somebody, a team that that is up three zero or three one, like Houston's up three one on Utah. Golden State's up 3-1 on New Orleans, as I record this. Cleveland's up 3-0 on Toronto. Celtics are up 3-0 on Philly. Let's just say it's Houston, Golden State, Cleveland, the Celtics. That's what it looks like it's going to be, the final four in the NBA. Out of those four teams, the team that I would bet on to win it all would be Golden State. Right? I mean, that's who I would bet on to win it all. If you made me bet, that's who I'd bet on. Um... If you said, hey, you can bet on anybody but Golden State. I'd say, you know what? I'd say Cleveland over Houston. But I, I'm with you. I'd probably take the Celtics last. 
I think that's the way Vegas sees it. I think that's the way a lot of a lot of normal NBA fans and analysts would see it. But um, I don't think it's a crazy thing to look at this Celtics group and actually think of the Golden State Warriors. You know, we get so caught up in how good Golden State has been, how good Steph Curry is, how good Kevin Durant is, how good Klay Thompson is. You know, Draymond Green, a guy who who got drafted late when he got drafted and turned out to be an all-star player, right? We're we're in awe of the Golden State Warriors and what they've been able to do the last handful of years. But I think we forget where they came from. It kind of came out of nowhere. Like, but maybe it shouldn't have. You get what I'm saying? Like, Steph Curry, first-round pick. Klay Thompson, first-round pick a couple years later. Kevin Durant, obvious first-round pick. You know, top three pick. Um, but you take those players and you know the expectations, you know, when, when they're, they're high draft picks and it's like, Hey, the expectations are that these players turn into all-star caliber players that help a team win a championship. Golden State's got a couple of those. Now the Celtics right now kind of have a couple of those guys. Al Horford was taking number three overall. I'm not trying to say he's Kevin Durant, but when it comes to expectations, of a player who's drafted that high, he was drafted after Kevin Durant. Durant was two. What was that, 2007? Durant was number two. Horford was number three overall. That's how they were drafted. So what are the expectations there for Horford? To help a team in the playoffs. To have an overtime like he did against Philly. To to have your coach draw a play up for you. As crazy as you might think that play could be, they lob it into you and you finish. To come up with a big defensive play like that. To be that type of difference maker in a big playoff game that puts your team up 3-0. Those are the expectations. When you're drafted right after Kevin, the next pick after Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum, number three. Overall, Jalen Brown. I mean, these guys are top three picks. Marcus Smart, number six overall. People forget about that, right? Number six overall. Terry Rozier, I didn't see this coming, but he's a first-round pick, 16 overall, a couple years ago. So you now have a group of top 10 picks, a couple top three picks that you're looking at going, hey, the expectation is for now, they, they step into the NBA, and if they play together, they help a team win. That's what Golden State did. That's what Golden State's doing. Celtics aren't as good as Golden State right now, obviously. But they are showing that they're not too far off. And they're showing that even though the odds are not really in their favor, especially when you get to the conference finals now, playing against Cleveland and then in the West with Houston and Golden State there, the odds are not in the Celtics' favor to win the NBA title. But I'm actually not so sure the odds... That order they beat, what are they right now? Plus 2,500. I'm not so sure that tells the story of what the Celtics are becoming right now. Right now. I, you know, and I think I do look at Golden State. It's like, how did they become successful? They obviously acquired Kevin Durant, but guess what? They won before Durant got there. What did they win with before Durant got there? They won with a couple kids who were taken in the first round, Thompson Curry, um, you know, who could shoot. And and right now, the Celtics, I mean, they're on a similar path. And it's not crazy to compare them to Golden State. I don't think the Celtics win an NBA championship this year, but I, I think that they are going to put up maybe a better fight than the odds in Vegas are giving them credit for. I, I believe that. So I think a series against Cleveland is going to be exciting. Again, I would never bet against LeBron James. Even if LeBron gets to the finals, which I think he's probably going to, uh, if he's playing Golden State, I am going to have a tough time betting against LeBron James. I am. I am. I'm going to have a tough time betting against him. That's how good he is. That is how good LeBron James is. So uh, that's the NBA playoffs. That's what the Celtics stand against. By the time you listen to this, Celtics might have won game four. They might have lost game four. If they lose game four, game five will be Wednesday night at the TD Garden. Um, but I actually, I would expect the game five. 
I don't know that I don't know that Philly's going to go out. Even though there are some players on the team, like I do think Embiid is soft. I think Embiid's soft. I think he's soft. I, I think there was a moment where he got with Baines. Like he, if he wanted to get in Baines's face at the end of Game Three, he could have done it. He waited till the ref got there. He was right next to him. He was upset. The ref. He was looking at the ref. Ref came over. Then he starts yelling at Baines. Come on, will you? You you got balls? You trying to prove something? All right. Don't wait till everybody gets in the middle of you. I think Embiid is soft. I do. Because there were moments he's trying to take fadeaway jumpers. Stop. You're the biggest dude on the court. You, you should be able to go out there and manhandle in the final minutes of a game. Get down low. You what? They're in your own building. It's the NBA. You're not going to get a foul call? You, instead, you're going to take fadeaway jumpers? Stupid. I think Embiid's soft. As soft as he might be, as soft as I think he is, I still think Philly's going to at least force a game five back at the Garden. But when it gets back to the Garden, I don't think Philly would win that game. Place will be too loud. Home court advantage in the NBA is a real thing. I think Celtics, I mean, they could sweep. But I expect it to end in five. I expect the Celtics to finish it out Wednesday night at the Garden. Uh, Whatever does happen, I will react to it on Thursday's podcast. And I'll close out the show. As I told you with some thoughts here on WWE Backlash. So just to to let the people know, this is the wrestling portion of the show. I don't do wrestling every show, but every once in a while I do. And uh, I watch WWE Backlash. I, actually, speaking of wrestling, I've been trying to get a wrestling guest on this show from Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, you know, I talk about I'm a fan of Bullet Club and New Japan Pro and... You know, they have the affiliation with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor is in town this week. I think Wednesday night they're in Lowell. They have a big event. And I reached out. I tweeted about this the other day. I reached out to Ring of Honor. Their email, their media relations, whatever it is. And and I made a couple requests. And they told me, I, here's what they told me. Again, not WWE. Not even New Japan Pro. Ring of Honor. And I don't use that to knock Ring of Honor. I'm trying to be realistic as to that. I mean, when we talk about, like, the world of professional wrestling and where these companies rank, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. I'm just giving you facts. So when they tell me in an email that I need to make my request for this interview this week with somebody six months in advance, I'm sorry, I can't do anything but laugh at first and then get pissed off and then get pissed off because they basically told me to go fuck myself. That, like, uh, no, you need six months. You need to get a, get this interview request six months in advance. What? Are you serious? Six months in advance. I need to get an interview request for ring of honor. Now I went and then, you know, I said, listen, the bullet club, they have the all in event, right? That's in, what is it? Is in it? In October or September in Chicago, they get this big arena. They it's fully funded. That you know they've funded it themselves. They got a, a a big they have a a big lineup there. The card is is great. Um, it's a combination of Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro. It's a great card. It's probably going to be a great event. And I'm like, you know, they they're doing promotion for that. You know, I'm a big fan of Bullet Club. Can I get Cody Rhodes or how about Marty Skrull? On, just for a podcast? I mean, they're in town. Can I interview someone? You know, can can we do this? And and they said they'd reach out to their managers. And when they reached out to the managers, they came back to me and said, uh, they don't want to talk about All In. That's what I was told. They don't want to talk about All In. That's what they said to me. They basically told me to go fuck myself. And, you know, the funny thing about, see, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And, uh... And I'm somebody that that pays attention to the Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro stuff. Again, I'm not a season ticket holder, but I'm a fan of certain things. I'm a fan of Bullet Club, fan of the Young Bucks, uh, fan of Kenny Omega. You know, I've talked about Cody Rhodes and and his path to success that he's having right now, obviously, where he left WWE. And, you know, he, he basically gambles on himself, and it's worked out for him. And, um... You know, he could say what he wants, but it's because he wasn't, you know, he wasn't getting the shot. He felt like he deserved in WWE. Like, and I, look, 
I've said on the show, I can relate to that. Look, his story's inspiring to someone like myself who's not in the world of professional wrestling, but in my industry and what I'm and in, in this business that I'm in and what I'm trying to do and where I feel I'm at and, and the opportunities that I feel I deserve, you know, he wasn't getting them, so he left. And you could say the same thing about me. You know, you try to reach for that brass ring time and time again. And, uh, you know, they just, it's like they keep yanking it away. So, you have to make a move. Make a decision. It's a business decision. Cody Rhodes made a big one. A big time business decision. And it's worked out for him. And it's great to see. And I told you I'm a fan. And I praise the guy. I enjoy watching him. Um, I think he deserved a, a larger opportunity, a greater opportunity in WWE. And let's face it, if he did get a better opportunity in WWE, he wouldn't be in Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro right now. It's the, those are facts. But, I mean, a guy like that, you know, who's taking that road, I've praised it. You got other guys in Ring of Honor who, it's like, you know, probably will preach to you that, you know, they're trying to get their break. They're trying to, you know, get their opportunity. And so when someone like myself, who's kind of on a similar path and could say the same thing, even though it's not in the pro wrestling industry, you know, when I come asking for an interview, I get told that I got to give it, I have to request that six months in advance, which is a complete bullshit lie. And then when I make specifics, oh, their managers said no, they don't want to talk about all in. Oh, they don't want to talk about all in? That's funny. I follow them on Twitter. It seems to be all they want to do is talk about all in. But that's, you know, the, the problem with, that I run into is that I am not supported by a network or a brand that, that these people see and say, oh, yeah, I'll do it because, you know, I know the audience I'm getting myself into or I know the show that I'm getting myself into. That's the problem I run into. But at the end of the day, it's basically just a lack of respect. And the one thing I've learned a long time ago is that respect goes both ways. Goes both ways. So... When I told you I respect those guys and and the road that they've taken and, uh, you know, the things that they do, the schedule that they're on, you know, that was a real respect. But somebody who is, is in another industry trying to take a similar road, if you can't respect that, then guess what? I no longer respect you. I no longer respect you. Because respect goes both ways. So um, Ring of Honor basically told me to go fuck myself. That's basically what it was. Now, I, when I did go out on that little Twitter rant, I, I, somebody actually reached out to me to, to get me someone that I was not requesting. And it's not a knock on the, on the guy that I was not requesting. But it, it still is possible that I do get a Ring of Honor interview here this week with somebody who is actually a pretty big name. But I told, I'm a big-time Bullet Club fan. So anytime they're in town, you know, I'm going to try to get them on the show. But... They basically told me to go fuck myself. That's basically what it was. Bullet Club basically told me to go fuck myself. Whether it was through their manager, whether it was through Ring of Honor, they told me to go fuck myself. And that's a tough look for them. Because if anybody respects what they do, it's me. But respect goes both ways. Goes both ways. So, um... Not going to get anyone from Bullet Club on this show this week, but they are in town. If you do want to go check them out in Lowell on Wednesday night, I will not be there. Uh, I did watch WWE Backlash last night. And here's the thing with the WWE and the internet. I know that is just a, a, <laughs> that's a crazy phrase to throw out there to begin my critique of WWE Backlash, which is a, a mixed branded pay-per-view last night on Sunday night, but the problem with the WWE wrestling fans in general on the internet, uh, they're impossible to please. Impossible to please. Impossible. Like, I watched Backlash last night, and I walked away going, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good event. You know, it's not a, it's not a major event. It's not a WrestleMania, a Royal Rumble, a Survivor Series, a SummerSlam. It's, no, it's, it's Backlash. I liked how they mixed the two. Obviously makes it a better event than, than not mixing the two and just having it 
you know, only a Raw brand pay-per-view or only a SmackDown brand pay-per-view. Those pay-per-views are horrible. You got to mix it. So the fact that you mix it alone makes it better than, you know, any of the other non-major pay-per-views that we've seen in recent history. Now, you open the show with The Miz versus Seth Rollins in a Continental title match, which was great. I thought they opened the show great. Great open, great concept, mixed-branded pay-per-view. I thought the final match, Reigns versus Samoa Joe, it was okay. I just don't understand why you're closing the show with that. Why are you closing the show with Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe? Like, what's on the, what is really on the line there? See, this is why, this is why people do not like Roman Reigns. This is when we talk about Roman Reigns being forced on us, it's because you, you're closing a show, a pretty, what I thought would be a pretty good show, you're going to close it out with Reigns versus Samoa Joe. I do not know what's on the line here. I don't. They could try to explain it, but I, I, it, you know, I don't know what's on the line. I don't think anything is, really. I thought they should have finished it with the WWE Championship. If the Universal Championship is not in the building, which it wasn't because Brock Lesnar was not there, you got to finish it out with the WWE title. Styles Nakamura. They do it again. They did it at WrestleMania. They did it at the Greatest Royal Rumble. And they did it again at Backlash. Now, Shinsuke, since the finish at WrestleMania, he went with the low blow. He continues to give Styles that low blow. He's gone full heel on us. They changed Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance and his music, which is just, I mean, I thought that was bad. People were questioning all the low blows, but here's the deal. Now that you watched that match last night, where it ended with double low blows, they each kicked each other in the nuts, uh, and it was a double countout. <laughs> I actually thought it was great. I thought it was great. I thought it was different. I thought it was a surprise, and I thought the fact that they both kicked each other in the nuts at the same time that both that knocked each other out. I thought it was a perfect way to continue the low blow storyline, which. To a point, was it was looking like the low blows were being overdone. But if you're going to finish like that, I can see why you're overdoing the low blows. I, I actually think it's pretty cool. I, I think it's a fun storyline. I do. But I thought you should have closed the event out with that. I thought you should have closed the night out. Maybe they didn't want to close the event out because they didn't want their pay-per-view event ending with two guys on the mat and a, and a, and a 10 count. Like, that's not a normal way to end a WWE match. It's basically a count out, right? Or a disqualification. That's basically what it is because Styles keeps the title. And 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 I, I guess I can understand you don't want your event, but you know what? That shows me that they're all, that means they're caring what people think. Which doesn't make any sense based on the fact that you then throw Roman Reigns out to finish the show. Uh, because if you care what people think, you won't end the show with Roman Reigns, especially in a non-title match. I thought the Styles-Nakamura finish was great. I did. And, and I look at the people pissed off about that on the internet, and it's like, you can't please, you'll never be able to please the internet when it comes to wrestling. It, the wrestling fans are impossible to please. I think the low blow storyline is fun. I, I think that was a different ending. Uh, I think it has an old school WWF feel to it. I do. And you know what? It keeps us a little bit on on the edge of our feet. Like, that's a surprise finish. I didn't see that coming. Uh, so I thought they opened great. I thought the close was was questionable with Reigns versus Samoa Joe. They should have finished with Styles Nakamura. I thought the Daniel Bryan, I thought it could have been a big moment for him, but it can't be a big moment when Big Cass is just horrible. He's terrible. He's terrible. He's bad. I, I mean, I don't know. He's a big dude. WWE likes the big guys. But he is bad. Now, they tried. I will say this. They tried with Big Cass. The storyline, you know, big guy versus the little guy coming back from injury. Why does Daniel Bryan get all the publicity? And I don't. When we both came back from injury at the same time, they tried. They tried. I, I think that was a good effort. It's just, you got one guy who's a lot better than the other. Daniel Bryan, a lot better than Big Cass. Big Cass, eh, you can tell he's trying. It's just, there's something off with him. Uh, I, I 
I just, I don't think he's any good. I think he could be used as a gimmick. I mean, he was being used as a gimmick with Enzo Amore, but now Enzo Amore is no longer around. So what do you do with Big Cass? They tried. What can they do? You know, put him in a feud with the fucking Bludgeon Brothers or something. I don't know. But <laughs> you can't have him in a feud with, with Daniel Bryan. Uh, I thought that could have been a nice moment. I See, the whole thing, the fact that... Here's the thing that right now is very confusing with the WWE. Here's the thing that's very confusing with the WWE. The greatest Royal Rumble. I watched it. I don't get it. Uh, I understand what Saudi Arabia, Arabia is trying to do. I understand what WWE is trying to do with Saudi Arabia. I don't understand the timing. Why are you having an event you're calling the greatest? That's that big. I mean, you busted out a casket match. You gave us Triple H versus John Cena with no storyline whatsoever. You gave us Lesnar Reigns in a steel cage that, let's be honest, had a tremendous finish. Unbelievable finish. You gave us some controversy with the finish. You had Lesnar get spit. I think Lesnar separated his fucking shoulder on that. I mean, if you watch the way he fell, that is a hard fall. Reigns spears Lesnar through the cage. They both, you know, that's it. They say they they touched the ground at the same time, or they say, what, there was controversy with it. Either way, Lesnar's still the champ. That's a big-time finish. Uh, they, they gave us a 50-man Royal Rumble ended with Jericho coming out as number 50. Was he number 50? You know, Braun Strowman wins it. You got a new title for him, new belt. Though he didn't bring that belt out, did he? He didn't bring the belt out with his tag match at Backlash. I thought it was a little weird. But, uh, you know, the 50-man rumble, you know, Jericho's there. Now Jericho, two days, you know, a week later, he's back in New Japan, back with this feud with Naito. Jericho's going to fight Naito now. He's back in New Japan. Uh, Jericho's, you know, he's doing something that I don't think anybody else could do, which is great. But the fact that he was at the event in the event, you know, casket match, steel cage match, Cena versus um, Triple H, no storyline. Every title in line, 50-man Royal Rumble. The outdoor arena that was huge, fireworks. This was like WrestleMania. But the timing of it makes no sense to me. Because you do it, you give us an event that's pretty much like WrestleMania, if not bigger, and you do it just a couple weeks after WrestleMania. I I don't understand the timing. And then you're going to hit us with another pay-per-view right after. Didn't make much sense to me. Uh, And on top of it, like, the greatest Royal Rumble is what you called it. So what does that do to the regular Royal Rumble? Like, are they going to have the greatest Survivor Series next year in Saudi Arabia? What are they going to do? And is it always going to be like this pay-per-view style event? You know, I just didn't think they needed to have something the size of WrestleMania this close to WrestleMania. I didn't think they had that. It, can, it actually confuses me because I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm confused by it. The timing's odd. And, and now you're trying to get back to normalcy with the normal pay-per-view. And people are disappointed with Backlash. And I'm like, I'm not disappointed. I just think wrestling fans are tough to please. I thought it was a good event. But the way they kind of threw the greatest Royal Rumble at us is is like I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out what's going on now. All right, backlash. You're gonna have money in the bank next. I, I think the one thing that I'll be looking at with money in the bank moving forward is, and they have teased this. The Miz loses to Seth Rollins again, but the Miz went on the post show. I watched that, which I should be hosting by the way. But the Miz goes on the post show and. He starts talking about money in the bank and how he is going for the WWE Championship. So, now we're going to get The Miz taking a run at the WWE title, which which could be, I mean, that could be interesting. I, I actually like that. So, uh, that's something to look forward to now with the WWE, but um, I actually thought Backlash was a good, was a good event. 
Some people complaining. I thought it was good. If if I would change anything, I would have the Styles knock. I wouldn't change the the Nakamura Styles finish. I thought the finish was great with the, the double kick to the nuts and the ten count. I wouldn't change that finish. I would just make that the the finish to the to the event. I w- I would make Styles Nakamura the last match, not Reigns Samoa Joe. So that's what I would change. I would change the last match. That was it. <clears throat> I would make Styles Nakamura the last match of the night. But whatever happens in that, if anything big happens, I'll react to it on the show. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday. I'll talk about and react to what the Celtics do in their game four and maybe even in their game five against Philly. Game five would be Wednesday night. And then uh, we'll keep our eye on everything else that's going on. Uh, I'll probably get back into some Red Sox stuff here the next couple weeks now that the Bruins season is over. We can evaluate the Bruins offseason in the next couple weeks and what they need to do this offseason, this summer. And uh, I'll keep my eye on the Stanley Cup playoffs and what happens there. But a lot of people rooting for the Vegas Golden Knights. Eh. You know, it's a cool story. There's no question, you know, from the fact that they're a new team. You're talking about, you know, the whole Vegas strong situation, which was just, you know, it was horrible to see what happened in Vegas with that shooting. And obviously they, they have rallied. And so, you know, the people in Vegas, you know, you, you like to see this success after something like that. I just guess, I guess the hockey fan in me, the hockey fan in me is rooting for Ovechkin to win the cup. That's what I'm rooting for. Now that the Bruins are out, I'm rooting for Ovechkin. And this could, this could be it for them. Nashville's a fun storyline too. There's a lot of good stuff in the Stanley Cup playoffs. It sucks that the Bruins are no longer playing, but the Bruins, they'll be back in the playoffs next year. And some of these younger kids like DeBrusque, Heinen, uh, even McAvoy, you know, they they will, they get their experience in the playoffs and uh, they know what to expect next time around. So I, I, I don't think we should be really hanging our heads for this Bruins team because I, I think there's some exciting times ahead. But, you know, certainly you would have liked to see them put up a little bit more of a fight in this second round against Tampa Bay. They didn't. We move on. And I'll be back on Thursday to react to what the Celtics are doing because the Celtics are still playing. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, iHeartRadio, anywhere podcasts are available, even on Spotify, you name it. They will have it. Just search the Danny Picard Show, hit subscribe, write a review, help the show out, buy some merchandise, tpublic.com slash store slash Danny Picard. And and don't forget, go to my YouTube channel and watch episode three. It was released late last week of my new YouTube series, 363 Off the Air. I went to the video game convention here in Boston and I played in the NHL 18 World Championship Qualifying Tournament and the refs completely screwed me. There's video footage of it. You can see it. So check out episode three. It's on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Danny Picard. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. I am out. Talk to you again on Thursday. <laughs>